This episode of the Happy Hour brought to you by Sugar and Slice Bakery. Contact Kristen at 863-326-8097. You can email her at sugarandslicebakery at gmail.com. They're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sugarandslicebakery. See all the wonderful photos of their custom cakes, cupcakes, cookies, cheesecakes, and pies. Order for your next party, family get-together, or company event. Also, if you tell them that the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you, they'll give you $5 off the total of your next order. So don't forget to tell them that the happy, happy hour, hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Hey, this is Ben Telly from TBS's King of the Nerds. You're listening to the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course I've got... Deuce, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Uh, we've been uh, excited. We've got a lot going on here with the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Yes, we have. And of course, uh, if you've been a frequent listener of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, you know, of course, we're big fans of TBS's King of the Nerds. They're on their third season now. That they are. And how can you check out TBS King of the Nerds? What time are they doing? They're there? on 9 o'clock on Friday nights, and that's at Eastern Standard Time, the time zone we're in over here in Orlando. Orlando, Florida. So you definitely want to check them out. It's an amazing show. Also, you can check them out on TBS On Demand on most of your cable providers. And if you go to their website, they actually have the episodes on there that you can stream live. Yep, sounds good. And of course, we've been fortunate enough. TBS has uh, been a big supporter of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, and they've been uh, helping us out, get some people on here. And we've got uh, some amazing guests we've had so far. Who else? Who, who have you had on so far, Deuce? We've had Heather. We've had Amanda. We had Kayla France, who won last year. Yep. Um, Todd the Bod. Todd the Bod. That's yep, right. Yeah, yep, yep. I feel like we're forgetting somebody, but yeah, we've yeah we've had an awesome guest, and we are fortunate enough to have Ben Tolley from California. He is a marine biologist, and uh, he's uh, joining us on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, Ben. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we've got a ton of questions for you, so we're we're not going to hold back. We're just going to let them rip. So Johnny, I'll let you go ahead and take the first one. Okay, uh, Ben. Uh, we, we always like to watch the the promos right before the interview because it kind of gives us a bite sized nugget of about you know it doesn't tell everything about the person but it kind of gives you a bite sized nugget of what they're doing. Uh, you're from California. Have you always lived in California? Uh, no, I haven't lived in California forever. I've been here eight years now. Uh, about. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, uh, how was that transition going from New Jersey to California? I mean, it's it's a pretty good it's a good transition. Um, I don't know if you guys you guys don't have to worry about this because you're in Florida. But today, my parents and my family they're all still in New Jersey. They got snow, and today was 81 and blue skies. So you know, <laughs> wow, it's not, it's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because uh, we. In Florida, it, when you consider a Florida winter, you're like in the 40s, and yeah. <laughs> everyone laughs at us, you know, like, oh, it's cold, but it's only 40 degrees, you know. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're getting hot weather, actually. We had actually had a record high yesterday. It was 88 degrees in Florida uh, during February, so that, that broke uh, some records. So, uh, yeah, people aren't very happy with Florida right now. No. <laughs> yeah, we should also take a second and appreciate how amazing our lives are and how smart we are for picking where we live. <laughs> no joke. No joke on that because I'm a Florida boy born and raised, and I've actually never even seen snow. So to hear that they've been having all this snow up there, I, I can't even fathom. I'm so happy that I haven't had to shovel any snow in the last eight years. 
except for like the two times I've been home when it snowed. Like that was just like the worst thing in the world when I was in high school. Every time it snowed, it was like, yes, it's going to be outside for three hours. Oh no. Well, it's, it's funny because like my wife, she's from Nebraska uh, originally and she's used to negative 20 winters and like she's had so much snow in her life when she moved to Florida. Like that's it. She never wants, never wants to see it again. Like she's had enough. (laughs) Well, the great thing about California is is that if you do want to see the snow, essentially all you do is, like, drive four hours. So you go from, like, 80 degrees, you drive four hours, and then you're in the mountains, and there's several feet of snow that sometimes is actually pretty good. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm here for a weekend. This is great. I want to go back to the beach tomorrow. Yeah. We, uh, we're, we're lucky enough in Central Florida. We're like, we're, we're dead smack in the middle of Florida. So we're no more than an hour and a half to either coast. So we, we can hit yeah. all the beaches anytime we want. So we're pretty, we're pretty lucky. And also, you know, we, the theme parks are our backyard. We, you know, we take it for granted that people drive and fly all over the world just to come to our backyard. So it's, it's kind of funny. You guys have that too in California, right? Like how, how, where yeah. do you live at in California? We have the step, we have the poor stepbrothers of your amusement parks in California. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, well, you guys have that California Adventure. I heard is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We so at Disneyland here we have two parks. We have Disneyland, which is a lot like the Magic Kingdom, and at Disney World, and then we have California Adventure, which is a lot like, and I'm told it's not even called the same. It's not MGM anymore, right? Right. It's Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood Studios. Studios. Yeah. Yeah, and but- so we have one of those. It's similar. Um, it's it's nice. It's like a smaller park. It's because of that, most people, a lot, it's normally like the least crowded of the two parks. Um, but it, it's good. It's got our Tower of Terror, which is which is a fun fun ride. So, wh- why was what was the reasoning for you to move to uh, California? Was it for marine biology? Because I know you're a marine biologist now, or is it just you happened to just wanted to change climate change? No, so it was exclusively because of marine biology. So I came out here eight years ago to start. Uh, working on my PhD at the University of Southern California. Wow, that's, that's awesome! That's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now I have a piece of paper that says I'm a doctor, uh, and that's about it. Oh well, so, wait a minute. Then should we, we really call, call you Doctor Ben? Ben. Doctor Doctor Ben Tully. Doctor Ben. So here you go, yeah. Doctor Tully. <laughs> I really feel like it's something that everybody keeps missing about this season is that we have. We have three doctors on this season. Yeah, and so they never have, mention that at all, like that you've got like three the, doctors. It's like the least mentioned facts about the entire show, that I have a PhD, Jonathan has a PhD, and Caitlin has a PhD. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I don't know who we were. We were talking to either Amanda. I think it was Amanda, and, like, we were talking about or is it Heather? One of them, we're, we're talking to either one of them, and they were both saying how like some of the editing in the show, like you don't really know everyone's passions, really. Like they don't really go into it too much during the show. Like you guys have your little uh, promos, but like we had that that instance where where you guys are doing the cosplay uh, uh, tournament thing you're doing, and yeah. and, and uh, it was like Rachelle was going off on on Lily because you know she was saying, oh well, I do cosplay too, and and. If you didn't miss that episode, if you blinked, you you didn't know that she was in the cosplay. cosplayer. So, because it's the way they were editing the show. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think they always have to make a choice. I, you know, knowing what happened and seeing the choices that have been made by production and the editors, it's very clear that they have a choice they can make. They can make the choice where we say, you know, things that are important for story development, but like only kind of individual story development, or you pick the things that move the story along for the whole show. 
And, like, the stuff for the whole show is us interacting with each other and talking about things. It's not us saying how much we love being a nerd or the types of stuff that we do. Like, that stuff is almost exclusively cut out. Like, you know, in previous years, that first episode, everybody sits down and talks about what their strengths are. Yeah. Right? So at least at the very beginning, like, there's a, you know, moment of, like, hey, I do mechanical engineering or, you know, I'm a, I'm a chemist or whatever. And this year is just, like, Everybody goes, we'll try and fit it in if we have the time. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because we had Kayla LaFrance, the winner of season two, on uh, a couple weeks ago, and she actually brought up that exact same point. She said it was really – it was interesting because in years past, they had basically done the old school at PE dodgeball routine where you pick your teams, but this year right. they assigned teams. But what I had loved about the first two seasons was – when they would pick the teams, you like you said, you got to learn what everybody's speciality was, and you kind of got to learn more about the person. But since they said, oh, this is one team, this is the other team, go do your project, you didn't get that backstory and that kind of connection with the, the characters, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think people, people miss a lot, I think, because of that. So, you know, one of the things that really stands out to Jacob is like a trivia guy and works at the comic book store, but he's also like trying to become a comedian. Yeah. And like it completely is just lost in the shuffle for that first episode of who Jacob really is and, you know, what what, what actually makes him tick. Yeah. And as much as I feel like I've, I've received a, a very favorable edit, I feel like a lot of the stuff that they center on for me are these kind of like non sequitur one-liners. Yeah, you're the king of the one-liner on the show. On the show, like, it seems like they always use you for the one-liner or they use you for some sort of, like, side story. And you've gotten a favorable edit because I'm I'm, I'm somewhat of a reality show junkie. So, like, they've given you a good edit. So, you know, on the bright side of things, that's good for you. But you're right. Like, it's a lot of times they give you either a throwaway line or you've just got, like, a little – you're like the B plot of the story for that week. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, it's tough. I mean, knowing, like, you know, the show, you know, that's what you're getting into, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they only have, if you look at what's happening, like anytime you sit down, you kind of record and take note of how much time is being spent, right? Like, you know, 20, you know, 40% of the episode has to be the nerd war. 40% of the yeah. episode has to be the nerd off. That only leaves like six minutes for them to put in other things. Yeah. And that six minutes, like, normally is, like, you know, 40-plus hours of shooting time, right? Like, we're just hanging out, doing stuff, and it all gets condensed down to a six-minute version of that, you know, inter-filling time between Nerd Wars and Nerd Ops. And plus, two of those six minutes are filled up with your advertising for Little Caesars or whatever product placement you've got for the week, which is great because yeah. it keeps you guys on the air. So we love it. Trust me, we're both here big fans of the Little Caesar hot and ready. Pizza, pizza. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Guys- it, it does take away from you guys' time. And I've been screaming this since the jump because one of the other shows I love that I actually think is a lot like King of the Nerds is on MTV. They got a show called... The challenge where they have all the old road rules and real world cast members kind of duke it out like you guys do. And every year when they do it, the first episode is an hour and a half to two hours long. And I've been screaming this since a jump. I think the first episode of each season of King of the Nerds needs to be at least an hour and a half, if not two hours long. 
and then they need to do an after show like a lot of these shows like Party Down South and The Challenge and a lot of the reality shows are doing where it's you guys and it's so cheap to do. You put the three – it's almost like a podcast. They put four of you guys in a room. Whoever got voted off gets in the same room. You talk, have a live studio audience. It's super cheap to make. It'd be good money for 5 by 5 and I think the fans would watch. Yeah, I mean I, it's one of those things where the show I think is picking up steam. Right, I think yeah. with this year they made a really a, a good number of decisions that were like we're going to make sure that it's advertising, we're going to make sure that we have like a, a social media presence to try yeah. and keep people watching, and the numbers have been good. Yeah. So I would imagine. I mean, we haven't heard any of anything official at this point in time, but the only thing we've heard is that uh, Turner is having all sorts of internal dialogue about what their future is for all of their cable properties. Yeah. But I would assume that if those things don't end up being horrible and uh, whole networks get destroyed or something like that, I I would have to think that that is part of a long-term, maybe, you know, foundation point of TBS could be King of the Nerds and the way it interacts with its fans and the way, you know, and so, I mean, I think just by people watching it and being fans of it and, having such dedication, right? This is, you know, you guys are part of that tapestry. Yeah. You know, I think there's a, I think there's really good possibility that next season we'll see another big change trying to help people involve it. If it is like a two hour premiere or a two hour finale or, or both, you know, yeah. and then next step after that would be the after show. Like, yeah. I think that's more than realistic and hopefully, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the show now, not just because of being on it, but just because it's a great hurt. show. And I, and I, yeah, and it's good. it is good. I think it's unlike so many other reality shows, it doesn't take itself seriously. No. Right? Because of that, it comes off as being so funny, you know, just not on purpose, right? Because everybody's just, you know, that's that's what the edit is right now, right? Everybody's yeah. saying those funny one-liners, and that, you know, yeah. I think it's, a, it's good for it. And see, and that's why I love you guys' show, because like I said, to bring it back to the challenge again, like I love MTV's The Challenge, but they're a bunch of dickholes. Like, they're the worst. Like, they're, like, some of the worst, most egocentric, maniacal, masochistic people I've ever seen. And it's, like, you. it's hard to root for those kind of people. But when you see people like yourself, Ben, that I can relate to, that the show is upbeat, it's positive, it's talking about bullying, it's talking about, hey, we were outcasts, but now we're making so much better of our lives you know it's got such a positive message like your show is a show i would watch with my nieces and nephews i will not watch the challenge with my nieces and nephews so i mean you've got a good kind of a a family show vibe going on with it which is great for marketing because if you're looking for sponsors some sponsors don't want to touch a challenge or say something that's maybe a little edgier but you guys are family friendly i mean I would think TBS would be eating you up with a spoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, family-friendly, though, we have had at least one episode that was TVMA. Did you uh, really? Which episode was that? It was it was Todd's blowout episode. Oh, uh, yeah. If you, if you go back, there's a number of curse words that are not. I forgot about that, yeah, because that was funny. One of our favorite interviews is we interviewed Todd literally the Thursday before that episode aired. So it was 24 hours before the episode airs. And I'm like, hey, you know, I just want to say I really liked you. You're great. I really like what you said to Lily about not crying because you were, you were trying in, in – 
in your own words to like cheer her up, make her feel better. And then 24 hours later, I'm basically eating my hat because I'm like, <laughs> God damn it, Todd. Cause now you're being just a rage bag of dicks. And it's like, Oh gosh, turn it, Todd. Oh my goodness. We, we love, we know we love Todd. And oh, we do. We, we Todd's do. one of our biggest supporters. <laughs> He's Todd a... follows me on Twitter and me and him go at each other all the time on Twitter. Yeah. He's a funny, funny dude, but I even tweeted at him near the show. I'm like, Gosh darn it, Todd! Like you're you're not helping me out here. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was uh it was rough to watch him react that way. Like I, I understand like where it was coming from. Like I, I mean, it's a total one of the many ways you can handle that situation. Right? Yeah. Like, and it's totally believable, and it's uh totally like something that you can be like, okay, I can get it. Why that happened? Yeah. But you know, it, it definitely was. It, it was just such a unfortunate way for him to like have to to release his emotions at that point because yeah. I feel like he, I feel like if they just got the better of him and and he really I know, don't think that's him uh, like I don't think that's him at all I think he let his emotions no, and he had been drinking because they showed he had drank like six apple ciders and he even told us on our podcast the night before he's like dude you think I could drink my ass off as big as I am but he's like two apple ciders and I'm smashed. So yeah, I mean, he he definitely went for some liquor courage before he confronted anybody. Yeah, which by the way, kudos to you for standing up for Lily like a freaking champ, man. You were like, "Hey, man, did knock this off. Like, we ain't having this." So yeah, I mean, I I actually had at that point, right as everybody started to walk in, I had reached the end of my ability to diffuse aggressive situations like that. Like, I if it had just stayed Lily and me and Todd, it would have just gone on like that for another hour where I'm like, hey, calm down. I don't want to calm down. Just just calm down a little bit. No, I'm not going to calm down. But, like, maybe just calm down. Like, it would have just gone back and forth like that for now. So it was really fortunate that Heather came in when she did, Heather and Rochelle, and, like, diffused the situation completely because I would have been, you would have just had an entire hour of, like, a, a pong game back and forth of well, me just being, like, it would never, it would never have resolved anything. Well, I'm not going to lie. You were a better man than me because – I, I, I would have tried to defuse the situation until he called her a bitch, and then it would have been on like Donkey Kong. I'd have been like, all right, buddy, we're going outside, me and you right now, to talk about this mano a mano, because I'm a big country boy from Polk County, and we ain't having that, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, Todd's, Todd's got a few pounds on me, so. Yeah, I I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't, back, I don't deny you for backing down for that fight. I would have been like, you know what? I'm just going to grab Lily and put her over my shoulder and carry her to the other room because it'll be easier to carry her than I'll be able to carry him. So Yeah. You could turn around and blow hard, and, and Lily's wide enough that she would have floated out. Oh, yeah. She would have just floated out like Princess Peach or something. Like You would have had to worry about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of you and Lily, I, it seems like the edit this season has focused a lot on just the two of you. What, what's your thoughts on that? Um, it's, it's, it's a, a good representation of what it was like in the house. Uh, Lily was somebody who I bonded with really quickly. Um, and the flirting that happened between us was, I, you know, typical close guy, girl who are friends flirting. Yeah. Uh, it was also something I actually have a significant other, um, who I'm, I'm engaged to and who I'm going to be marrying, uh, this summer. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And when we were, when I was going on the show, her her words to me were very specific. Of listen, if there are, if there are girls on the show and they like you, 
you are allowed to flirt as a way of, you know, don't be standoffish because you think you're not allowed to flirt. Flirt when, you know, and if they need you to kiss somebody on camera, kiss somebody on camera. Nobody needed me to kiss anybody on camera. Even Jonathan turned me down on that one. So <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. Uh, but I, I had permission uh, going into it to, to be as nice as I was to Lily um, throughout the course of the show. That's awesome, man. I got to say kudos to your fiance because she's like, Daddy, you bring home the bacon. You do whatever you got to do to bring Mama home that money. It, it, she is awesome in my book. She's a keeper. Yeah, she definitely is a keeper. And she has a lot of confidence in herself, which she should. And uh, and it, it very much showed when she was like, yeah, no, whatever. Like, you can flirt. You'll be back. Like, that was her whole attitude. Like, where are you going to think you're going to go and, like, hook up with somebody at a, at a nerd show and leave me forever? Yeah, I'll see you when you get back. Yeah, so in your TBS promo, you mentioned you're a gamer. Uh, what is your history with gaming? Like, when did you start playing? So I, um, I've always been, a, like, a card gamer. Um, to to the degree that uh, the joke of, of my high school friends and I were that we could never have been drug addicts if we wanted to because we spent all of our money on packs of cards. <laughs> it was it, it was the constant curse. It's like there's no way we could be cool and like buy people beer or get weed and go to parties because I have no money because I just spent thirty or forty dollars this week on buying. You know, so the games I was playing in, in high school, I started playing the Star Wars TCG game from Decipher. Yeah, that was a terrific game. Yeah. Uh, I started playing with that, and then I did things like At some point I was playing Magic, but that only lasted a little while. At some point I played Pokemon because I was young and stupid. Um, <laughs> and then I got into a Game of Thrones, the card game, which is from Fantasy Flight Games, um, which has been around since 2004 in some version or other um, and I still play to this day even though it's kind of changed its format going forward and nowadays I kind of uh, so FFG has this whole line of games card games that are all competitive and they are essentially you buy fixed uh, expansions for it and so everybody has all the same cards there's no rare chasing it's like the, the ideal version of uh for people who can't sink hundreds of dollars to buy a single deck for like magic or something like that, because you can bet for hundreds of dollars, you can get every card in existence and be able to play exactly the same game as everybody else. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what I've been, it's what I've been doing for a long time now at this point. And so when you do that, you spend a lot of time at game stores, then you end up playing lots of board games and having a group of friends that exclusively only talk to you about gaming and, and what's going on in the gaming world. Well, I found that interesting because you, you said the word gamer, and and I wasn't thinking yeah. of board games and card games. I was thinking of video games. So that's that's fascinating, yeah. you know, because the gamer is such a broad term, you know. Uh, but do you play yeah. video games as well, or? Yeah, I mean, I play video games, but like, so with card games, when I play card games, I'm literally trying to be the best player in the game, right? Like, it's not magic, so there's not you know thousands of people playing. FFG has a world event every year, and I go and I try to be, you know, you know, they only get like 150, 160 people showing up depending on what event they are. But there's a real possibility that if you show up and you are good at these games, that you can go, you can go very far and be the world champion for a game. Which you know, is deceptively nice, right? You can be like, I'm a world champion for a game. There's like 200 people who play it, but I'm still a world champion. Um, 
for video games, like I, 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 you know, I have a PS3. Uh, I bought a Wii U uh, for Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, and I haven't turned it. This is this makes me really sad. I haven't turned it on since Thanksgiving. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. You, there's a lot of amazing games that the Wii U has launched here. Just to give you a little bit of a. Because I own a Wii U as well. I was a late bloomer to the Wii U. But, I mean, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker is a gem, dude. If you've not checked that out. Yeah, it is... no, I've, I have, uh, I definitely keep up on video games. Like, uh, one of my bookmark sites that I visit way too many times during the day is IGN. Like, I know what games I'm missing. I just never really have the time. And so, it's hard to justify, especially the year of uh, the wedding, to go out and spend sixty dollars to get a game that I know I might not have time to play through for uh, you know a couple weeks, so it's just kind of one of those things. I put a, I put them on a little list. At some point, I'll be able to buy them and I'll have time. You know, one day the fiance will be like, "Oh, you know, I have to go somewhere for work," and I'll be like, "All right, this is the week. Yeah. This is the week where I buy all the games that I've missed, and I will will play until the cows come home." Well, I'm right there with you. I'm married as well, and uh, I have two kids. My son's five, my daughter's two, and they keep you super, super busy. And, like, for me, it's like I only have, really have time to play at night unless I'm playing, like, a Mario game I could play during, you know, when they're awake. But it's, uh, right. you know, it's it's like I have to, like, I'll play Smash and stuff because it's just, it's just cute characters, you know, hitting each other. So I don't really care about that. But, like, I can't play them like my Far Cry 4. And I have to wait till they're in bed. You know, I don't want them seeing me slice open a, oh, no, Simba's dead. <laughs> Simba's gone. You know, I don't want to see that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, who do you yeah, no, it's been, it's been tough. It, it, it eats me up inside because that's all I really want to do a lot of times. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you, I have a choice. Like, So I, I have a standing game night with my friends for the card game stuff. And so it's like my one night a week where, like, I always keep it clear. And so I have the choice when whenever every Wednesday comes up. I can go and I can play games with people or I can sit down and, like, buy a game and play a video game. And I normally always, almost always, choose going to play with people. Well, I think that you hit a, a nail on the head with that, though, because the the cool thing, because I played Magic for a hot minute, but it's the social interaction of it, because I used to do actually do, a long time ago, tabletop miniature gaming and things like that, and I, even though, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the games themselves, what I loved a hundred times more than that was the social interaction, it got me out of the house, and it got me around other like-minded people that liked the same things I did, and at that particular time in my life, I needed a good reason to get out the house. So it was a good outlet for me, you know, to get me out and get me around people. Yeah. I mean, that's what it does, right? Like, you know, that's why so many people like, you know, Destiny, right? It's it's a video game that you can play with your friends. And it doesn't matter if it's a great game. It's a game that works really well when you're playing it with your friends. Oh, yeah. And so I've always had a very limited number of... Uh, you know, PSN contacts on my PS3. So it's never been something where, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and, like, play with my friends. It's always kind of like, well, I have one friend, and he lives on the East Coast, and he's asleep now, so I guess I'm probably not playing that game with him. Oh, let me go play with some random people. Okay, but it's not playing with random people. Never mind. I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you pretty much exa- it's just summed up all of Destiny right there. Like, I don't want to play with random people, and my buddy I want to play with lives on the other coast, and he's asleep. That you pretty much summed up my Friday nights. Yeah. Uh, so you also said that you're into comic books in your promo. Uh, are you you more of a what are you into? DC, Marvel? Uh, what what do you like? So I go back and 
phases for comic books between who I like. It's, I mean, it really depends on the quality that the publishers are coming out with. And so one of the things that's really been helpful of late that's pushed me to the Marvel side of things of, of for a while has been the uh, Marvel comic app. I don't know if you guys know about it. So for the comic app, you can pay $10 a month and get unlimited access to all books before six months ago. And so essentially you're paying $10 to be behind the times, right? Like I'm not reading the most current stuff, but it means that each month I get the same books that you got, I don't know, in October. So I got all the books from October have just been released or whatever. And now for $10, instead of buying individual books, I can read all of those books at once and just wait for the next month and then go back and read other stuff that I have. So right now it's like really heavily Marvel, uh, especially because they have the Star Wars stuff. I have been going to the store to buy the new Star Wars comics as they've been coming out. Yeah, I know at least, well, I mean, I'm sure it's probably the same thing in California, but like here in Florida, the Star Wars comics have been big. Like we've got a local comic book chain here called Coliseum Comics, and they even hooked up with one of our favorite bars here in Orlando called Player One Video Game Bar and did like a special like release day party where they actually had the comics at the bar and stuff like that. So, I mean, and they had the 501st come out, and so it's been really, really big, the Star Wars comics here. I've been going. I've been going uh, every week that one's been coming out. There's one right down the road from where I catch the train, and every 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 week I get down. You know, I walk in on, and I'm, and I'm the one guy who walks in on like Wednesday uh, and like buys one comic. I'm like walks in the front and buys one. Everybody there is there was stacks of stuff. I buy one and then I walk out and, and go read it as soon as I get home. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. That's the only thing that stinks because. We actually live a little bit outside of Orlando, so our nearest comic book store is a good 40-minute drive away, so I can't even tell you the last time I went to the comic book store, because it just, it takes forever to get to. That is, that is a long drive. That was, uh, when I, I so, LA is really funny, some areas have lots of comic books, like, like, a comic book shops, like a density, and other places are, are, like, just very far away from anywhere that would sell a comic. And and there were periods of times where that's where I lived in those areas, and it was just like it was such a hassle. It was, maybe not forty minutes, but like twenty five in a car, like in traffic, just to get to the comic book store. Who and and the one comic book store I was going to at that time was just it was it was the comic book store from Big Bang Theory, where like the guy running the store is just kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, he's super nerd and he's very picky. And, like, if you get a comic book that you like that he doesn't like, he gives you a hard time for that's the comic you want to buy. And I'm like, dude, I'm spending money in your store. Who cares if you don't like what I'm buying? Yes, it was exactly like that. And it was, it was like one of those things where, like, okay, I think I'm going to take a break from comics for a little while. (laughs) Right? Like, it was like, it's, you have that one interaction. You're like, I don't need to go back. Like, that's the only store I can get to, like in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to go back to that store ever again. And I. And I, and I really didn't. I, there was almost a. I'd say a year and a half where like I wasn't actively reading comics, and the only thing that's really brought me back in, like I said, is that the Marvel comic book app. And as soon as DC has one of those apps, I swear it'll be. I, I, here's the thing with like, I'm paying ten bucks a month, but I don't tell Marvel this, but I would easily pay like twenty. Right, and so if DC came out with an app, and they like they were offering it for twenty. 
or 10 or whatever they were doing it, I would be in on it. I would, I just, I feel like I've missed out so much on the, like I started uh, collecting the new 52. Like, so I have like the first four issues of, you know, the new Justice League and the first four issues of like the new Batman and the new Superman. And then I stopped. So I have only kind of like this outside knowledge of what's happened in the last couple of years in DC. And it sucks because I, DC has some of my favorite characters, you know, despite reading mostly Marvel at this point in time. No, I'm right there with you because I'm a, a big DC guy myself, and I missed out totally on the New 52. I haven't read anything in the New 52, and half of that is because any time they want to wreck the con everything and start over from scratch, it makes me angry because I'm like, look, I, I've got 60 long boxes in my house in a closet, you know, because I've been collecting comics so long. So when you say, you know, all those comics, they don't matter anymore. That angers me. So they already had me at that. And then two, the nearest comic place was 40 minutes away. And I'm like, I'm not going to make trips just to get these comics. I'm like, I'll order them online or from online comic shops if I really want them. And so far I haven't even lifted a finger to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always, I'm the type of person where I grumble about it, but like, it's such a, it's such a mainstay of the industry at this point. Like, even, like, this, the Star Wars reboot, essentially, right, where they got rid of all the EU, I'm always kind of like, oh, man, that sucks. And then, and then as a dutiful fan, I go and I buy the stuff anyway because I need to know what the new status quo is, right? I need to know how they're redoing all of this stuff. So, like, that's what the comics are now for the uh, Star Wars comics. It's all this stuff that's happened between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Everything that was there is erased, and now it's all fresh. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I guess this is okay. Wait, are you telling me that Luke and Vader had a lightsaber fight before Cloud City? Like, okay, you're going to have to write that really well for me to want to be a fan of that. Well, what's your thoughts of J.J. Uh, Abrams taking on the helm for uh, Episode 7? Uh, I was I would have been a fan of pretty much anybody except for George Lucas. Um <laughs> And so I, I have I have high hopes. Um, I I was at one point reading spoilers as they came out, and then I was like reading them. I'm like, oh man, I really hope this spoiler isn't what the movie is because I don't know if I like that movie. And so since then, I've 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 stopped stopped reading spoilers, and I'm just hoping I'm hoping that his whole push to get the movie released in the summer works out, and instead of having to wait for December, we all get to watch it and like. August or something like that. I'm not going to lie. When I read that, I said that would be the greatest move they ever pull if they just say, screw it, we're going to drop it just July and just pick. Because, see, the thing is, the problem is with movie companies now, they fight for these certain spots because you want to get your movie in the Memorial Day or July 4th or whenever. And so that's the reason why we know about these movies so far in advance because that's how far in advance they have to pick the weekend or the day the movie's coming out. Well, Disney has enough pull. They can swap some things around and be like, look, we're going to drop it in July. My theory is if they do not jump the gun, drop it in July, and then drop it at Christmas, A, I don't think the numbers are going to be as well as Christmas as they would be in the summer. And two, I think it half the movie is going to be spoiled by the time you know it, it shows up in the theater. We'll know three-fourths of it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's definitely a, a, a case for the spoilers being... But you have to think that... As soon as somebody like J.J. Abrams like, says that, like as soon as there's an arc like that, there's got to be so many companies, like 
toy companies, anybody who's doing like any of the additional product lines that go along with the movie release who are planning on a December release date are like, holy crap. Like, this is this is a worst case scenario. Like, they're like somebody out there, somebody's like ringing an alarm. Like, there's bells going off. We like we can't we can't have our toys ready by July. Like, we will make no money on this stuff. So I, I have to imagine there's enough inertia in the system that it, they won't be able to do it. But I, I I would be all for it. I would be all for it too. And actually, Ben, now that you say that, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. That they're like, look, we got to stay with this date no matter what because. The video game tie-ins, the uh, you know the to- the Happy Meal toys, the the toy toys, you know the merchandise. Like because hell, ninety percent of the money that's made on Star Wars isn't made from the movies; it's from all the damn merchandise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to imagine that won't be the case. And the other thing I have to think of is like, how can you release it in July, right? Like there was this whole thing of the movie got pushed back to December, right? Because right. J.J. Abrams was like, oh, we don't have enough time to finish the movie. And so now you're telling me the movie's that close to being done that you could have made May the 4th, like the way that they had wanted to release it originally, and you had said, no, we need to move it, push it back to December so it'll be ready to sign. Like, now you're saying you can move it forward? I'm like, come on. Like, which is it? Like, it's either it's done now or it's not done now. But if it's done now, you can just send me a copy. I'll let you know what I think. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping it's going to be good. I'm I've been reading a lot of spoilers because one of my favorite websites is io9 and they do a a segment called Morning Spoilers every Monday through Friday yeah. and I read I, I I too am a big fan of the io9 Morning Spoilers. Oh, me too. And uh, like literally every day when I get to work, that's my I get my cup of coffee, I sit there and I read my Morning Spoilers while I'm drinking my cup of coffee before I venture over to Deadspin and ESPN to check out my sports news. <laughs> So it's like I've got to see what's going on in the old nerd world. And it, it, every time I read a new spoiler, I'm like, dude, I'm going to know three-fourths of this movie by the time the damn movie comes out. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm, I'm really hoping that's not the case, right? I really don't want to know what happens. I want to go in and be surprised. But I, I think the only thing that we won't know is, like, what the ending is. And, like, people yeah. will guess at it, but, like, we'll just never, like, we, that will be, like, it'll be, like, the last ten minutes, we won't know what the one ending is, and then we'll be, that's what we're waiting for, right? Like, and that'll be super disappointing. Well, I, I think it's all moot anyways, because it, you, Lawrence Kazan is, is you know, he, he, he wrote arguably the best movie ever made, Empire Strikes Back. So it's like, you know, I, I think he's, you know, he's on board, and he wrote the script, and, you know... I think I have a lot of faith not only in Abrams but but in in Lawrence Kasdan because like that guy knows how to write characters and so I feel like yeah. you know I feel like I have a lot of even if we do know about the film it doesn't matter if it's a good movie you're gonna want to watch it anyways and that I, I think that's that's what I'm kind of looking forward to is because J J Abrams he is a fan of the source material like he loves Star Wars like he's not just some guy they threw in just to hey go do this movie you know it wasn't like you know you had. Uh, Tim Burton, who was like, oh, I never read comics in my life. I'm going to go in and do comic book movies. He did an okay job, but like he, he went through this whole Batman. He didn't care about Batman or the lore. You know, he didn't have the passion for Batman. You know, like he, he luckily made a decent film, but uh, it's just like, you know, you look at uh, Abrams, like this guy loves Star Wars. Like he's using, when I found out that he's using organic sets and like that B88 droid, is, that Rolly droid, was actually organic and real, not CG. Like, that blew my mind. I was like, wow, J.J. Abrams gets it. Like, 
he's building real sets, real you know, uh, you know real X wings and Millennium Falcons, and uh, like this guy knows that's what we want to see. We don't want obviously you have to use CG in films, but like you know, I think with the lore and the magic of Star Wars, uh, it, I'm saying this while I'm looking at my Jabba the Hutt uh, figure right. <laughs> Uh, uh, but uh, he, uh, uh, he, uh, he, he gets it, you know what I mean? Because I think that's one of the big things that people backlashed other than the bad script and the prequels was it was just so CG heavy. I mean, it was like, you know, you had a lot of, uh, oh, we got a little interview with the kitty there. Yeah, that was my cat. He likes to be vocal. What's his name? <laughs> his name is Oswald. Oswald? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, named after named after uh, Walt Disney's first animated character because he's a black and white cat. Oh, that's awesome. So his, Oswald, or Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was Walt Disney's first animated character. That's awesome. That's so. That, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 you, you come into the studio and you see nothing but Star Wars stuff. Like, I, I feel like you know this is always going to be a passion, passionate topic for me. And like, I, there's always you know you always have the fans, the dividers that oh prequels don't exist and it's only it's only the original trilogy and you know and and all that stuff so it's like yeah i, I think oswald yeah i think he agrees with me <laughs> i know he's I'm, I'm gonna i gotta get him to move somewhere else he's standing at the door letting everybody know that he likes the outside all right and that should keep him keep him occupied for a little while Sorry about that. <laughs> no no he don't he doesn't like the prequels either i can tell yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always been a he's he's always thought that the inclusion of Jar Jar in uh, <laughs> Phantom Menace was just a travesty in in movie production, and that as, as much as it was a, a feat for George to pull off such a highly integrated CG character into the film, that it was just a it was just an offensive uh, an offensive front to all fans out there of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with him. So I mean, with that, we're okay. Wow, you really can speak his language. That's awesome. <laughs> The cat whisperer <laughs> over here. One of your other jobs. <laughs> so, uh, so Ben, uh, what do you think of this season so far? I, I mean, you said you're a fan and you're checking it out. I know it's hard to be uh, not to be biased, but like, how do you feel overall with this season so far? Uh, I, I, you know, this season uh, with what they had, right? So one of the problems, not problems with the season. So one of the issues they have with the season was that season three was picked up so late by TBS that. Essentially, they had, you know, six weeks or so to go from, like, you are now greenlit to we will be shooting, right? And I, so I, the only thing that I really wish that we had was that we had some of the, um, the props that they had for season two, right? I really liked the, uh, the Harry Potter themed nerd war or nerd off from episode one of season two. Oh, that was, that was awesome, yeah. And we really missed, I feel like we missed out on some of the uh, kind of grand ski, like themes and stuff like that. We A lot of them were kind of like, oh, we're going to go. We, we, we went to the same patch of woods like four times to go and shoot. Yeah, like, I noticed areas. that. It was almost, it reminded me of the original series of Star Trek where they kept using yeah. the same like piece of rock. It's the same thing. It's like, I swear to God, I've seen that tree like eight times this season. Like, <laughs> They've got to have more trees in California than that. Yeah, uh, but other than that, I, I mean, I think this season. Right, I mean, and so I'm totally biased. We definitely went. We when we left Nirvana, the the contestants this year, we right. were like, "This is awesome. Season three is going to be great. 
Like, we had so much fun. Everybody's going to think season three is awesome. And then, you know, everybody has their favorites, right? So they're, uh, it's really funny to us because we, we know so much about the season tuners and, like, we've had to interact with the same production team that did season two and how close the season two cast was to getting the show canceled, right? Just overall, like, how close it was, how, how much it was on the edge because they couldn't pull in the numbers that season one had, they were, you know, it was just so close. So we were so much like, as long as we're not as bad as season two, like we'll, we'll be fine. Right. And that we, it's this running thing now that we have, you know, the whole nerd family season two is they know that they, they had a good thing that, that was going on. And, that it was really like it was so close. The execs were so close to canceling the show uh, because of how police season two didn't provide. And so we were our whole goal at season three was just to make sure that we we when we left we felt like we could have like be proud of it and make sure that like TBS and Five by Five could be proud of it and like use it to try and keep the show going forward. And I and I you know I think we did that. I, I, I've been enjoying the show from that aspect quite a bit. No, and I think you guys did a good job. I think you did a, a good job as just people on the show. Because I will say this, and I personally think why maybe season two got a hit, and, and not to bash on anybody for that season, but there were a couple people, in my opinion, I, I don't, I hate using the word plant, but it seemed like they put them on season two just because they knew they were going to cause a lot of problems and be just a, a pain to work with, if you know what I'm saying. And I have no idea. I have no idea who you're talking about. No, none at all. I'm sure <laughs> you you have no idea who I'm talking about. But that guy stayed on way too long, and it was like, okay, one or two episodes of him mucking up the works is okay. But then he just kept winning and winning, and we're like, God, will you send this guy home? Just because he he's, in my opinion, he was almost bullying the whole show at that point because it was like, yeah. you know, he he would have those outbursts and he would you know, bully other people. It, heck, there was even people he beat that were like, hey, you know, we're all nerds. We're all in this together. You need to calm down. And he didn't. And I think from from a director's point, like if I'm the director, I'm like, oh, well, you, you kind of need a villain. No matter what the story is, you need a villain. So it's like, oh, I've got my bad guy for the season. But it, I just I think it kind of backfired on him, or maybe shot him in the foot because he was such a bad guy. I think it turned people off. The production side of it all, they're trying very hard not to get people who they would have to portray negatively, right? Yeah. Like they they I think that's they smart. really they really like having a positive spin on the show, and so I think everything that happened with the unforementioned person from season two really caught them by surprise. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I feel for the most part though, like with this season, like, and, and I think Heather hit the nail on the head when we interviewed her, like this is probably the most diverse cast that we've seen. Like everyone is kind of doing so many different types of things. And like, she said that you guys took like a test or something and you guys, none of, most of you guys were not even in the same type of, personalities or something like that do you, can you uh yeah, they, had, they had a they had us do personality like we all met with uh, a psychologist while we were going through the casting process yeah and so everybody took everybody took a personality test uh to kind of 
ensure that everybody was emotionally stable enough to to participate in the show. I wonder if that person didn't make these tests happen because <laughs> they had to make sure you were emotionally stable enough to like handle it. Yeah, oh, that's funny, funny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let, yeah. well. That's a question I can't ask. Never mind. I was going to ask you who do you think would win if it wasn't you, but I know you know the answer. So well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to st- sidestep that question just because of the fact that I don't want you to spoil it for me. Right. TBS would be bad at us yeah, if TBS we TBS would, would <laughs> shut us down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will say this, uh, Ben. It's been really fun because you guys are my Friday night tradition now. Like. I come home, you know, I go to work, I go to the gym, and then I come home, and one of two things happens. Either I go out with my boys to the bar, so we'll hang out at the house and we'll all watch King of the Nerds together, and then we all go to the bar, or I'll stay in and play video games, and that's the one hour when I pause it and I eat my dinner and, and watch you guys' show. So you you guys have literally become a part of my Friday night routine, and I, I just want to say thank you for the hours, number one, the hours of entertainment you've given us. And just for kind of letting all of us into your lives. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself come two Fridays from now when uh, when the show's all over. Because so much of my life has revolved around Fridays, and I do live tweeting, right? So I have an event right. where I kind of sit at home and I live tweet the show. And then normally every week I've had viewing parties. And so on the weekend I'll have people over to watch the episode that just aired. And so, it's just like I, I in two Saturdays I'm going to be like I don't I don't know what I do with my free time now. Well, it sounds like you're going to be getting ready for that wedding is what you're going to be doing with your free time. Yeah, that's what that's what my fiance thinks. And she would be right. Get some more gaming in. Yeah. <laughs> so Ben, we, we we tell us we tell us to everybody that joins us on the episode. Uh, you know, you, we have an open door policy. Anytime you want to come in and plug anything, just want to talk. Hey, I saw an awesome movie. I want to talk about it. Just we're just two unabashed geeks that love to talk about things we love. So awesome. I I would love to come back. You guys have been a lot of fun to talk to. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it. Is there anything else uh, you want to tell the uh, audience listening at home? Yeah, you got a website or uh, Twitter you want to plug? Sure, let me plug really quick. So anybody can follow me on Twitter. I'm at DeepSeaSift. Uh, the aforementioned fiancé and I also do a uh, King of the Nerds recap podcast. Nice. Uh, which, yes, we've been doing it uh, for every episode so far. There are six episodes. It's called King of the Boyfriend. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can also find it uh, if iTunes is your preferred method of getting podcasts. It's uh, also on kingofthebefriend.podbean.com. Nice. Well, definitely, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out because, like I said, I'm a huge reality show nut, and I King of the Nerds is one of my favorites because, like I said, it, you guys give such a positive message, and I just like that. Like I said, a lot of the reality TV shows I watch, as as much as I love them, like Party Down South and The Challenge, they're kind of like junk food. They're not really good for me, but I enjoy it. You know what I mean? But at least King of the Nerds, I feel better about later after watching it because there's a good positive message. And there's lots of times where I actually learn stuff from you guys. Uh, well, I mean, if you're looking for a positive message, I don't know if King of the Boyfriends is the right show for you. <laughs> uh, 
she can, she can, my fiance can, and really parents me for making some stupid mistakes on the show, and she loves doing it. So it, 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 it makes a uh, very interesting podcast. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to it at work tomorrow. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you probably also listen to it for a, a while longer. Uh, there's uh, six episodes. You know, we'll do one this week for episode seven, and then obviously episode eight. And then we're actually working on some episodes that we might do if anybody's interested. We have no idea if anybody will keep listening after the show's over. Uh, we think we can probably do, we'll probably do an interview with the showrunner after the season ends and have his perspective of how the show ended up and what he thinks about it get him to answer some questions that I think always people want. And then uh, on top of that, so this is this is something that we're really working on right now. Uh, my fiancé is a writer in, in Hollywood, and she does comedy writing. And for Christmas, she wrote a script of a pilot TV show of what she thinks I do when I go to work. And it's called uh, Dr. Ben Tully, Scientist Spy. And so we may, we may adapt that into some type of radio drama for for the viewing reviewing public i think that'd be awesome and i'm not gonna lie i'd love to hear your your podcast with the showrunner because as a podcaster myself i've been trying to hunt that guy down and get curtis on the show and you know some of the other guys from the show so trust me as a as a, as a fan and as a podcaster i'd love to to hear it yeah, well, we, I have an in with those guys, so it makes it a little easier for me. Yeah, no joke. You're not, like, Twitter, you know, stalking them like I am, so. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, thanks for letting me plug that stuff. Yeah, oh, no you're worries. welcome, man. And like I said, anytime you want to come on, feel free. And if you and the fiancé ever come down to Orlando, the beers are on the happy hour. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, we will take you up on that after on that offer if we ever make it down there. Well, we'd love to do it, brother. Well, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, thanks for having me. All, All right, right ben. ben. See it Later. Bye. Of course, that was the uh, interview with Ben Tolley. Dr. Ben Tolley. Dr. Ben Tolley. He course. didn't go to school for eight years he, to be called Mr. No, sir. Dr. Ben Tolley. And, of course, uh, you know, he is on uh, Season 3 of TBS's King of the Nerds. And, of course, Deuce, people can find us at HH Podcast Show on Twitter. Yep. They can send us an email, hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. Yep. And just, just find us, search, type everything in there. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll hopefully we'll have any, uh, some more guests soon. So, yep. And, as always, hashtag Happy Hour Podcast. Hashtag, hashtag Deuce is on, on the Loose. Later. later.